Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hour number two of the Get Right. We're Reggie KG on 105.3 The Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. Yes, sir. My man Ruben Portillo holding it down for you here on your Turn It On, Leave It On station. Home of the Cowboys and Texas Rangers. Appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. One question for every second round NBA playoff series as we are already into the second round of the NBA playoffs at Kevin Gray Sports at Reg at a tool if you want to get at us on Twitter. Coming up in 17 minutes, Tim Cato of The Athletic going to be joining us talking about his latest piece when it comes to the misery that was the Mavs season and some revelations on what was really going on with the Mavericks this past year as they get ready for a much-anticipated offseason. TrotRed.com text on 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053. With about two minutes left in the third quarter, the Philadelphia 76ers up 83-81 to Boston, who apparently isn't taking game one very seriously. They, this is just what they do. This is who they are. This is what they do. They be playing around on offense. I don't understand exactly what it is about them that makes them do this, but yes. Yes, it is. Uh, and then also from the from the 817 on the com text line, 877-881-1053. Was that Perry the Platypus? Yes. Yes, it was. And, that, and there he is again. Um, pre- also, if, if you appreciate Phineas and Ferb, you'll appreciate the way that I responded. Which, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Tim Cato of the Athletic joining us in 16 minutes to talk all things Mavericks basketball. But let's talk some NBA here on the get right as the second round of the NBA playoffs is officially set. That's after Stephen Curry put on one of the all-time performances yesterday when he dropped a 50 spot on the Sacramento Kings in route to a 20-point win. What? That's right. You want to you want to know the two stats that were the most fascinating to me about that game. One was this was the most shots that he had taken in an NBA game, and the other one was that he had one turnover. <laughs> so Steph Curry, when like he gets his usage up, when he actually has to be like a point guard, point guard for real, for real, and like dictate the action, he gets a little. He could turn the ball over. He can get a little willy nilly with the ball. Did not happen. 
And the idea that he was taking all these shots, right? Like, we've talked about, and not just we, the royal we, have talked about the Warriors sometimes about, like, the, being, the system being so important and, you know, like, all these other options. Hey, man, in this instance, it wasn't about no system. It wasn't about none of that. Steph Curry decided they were going to win that game, and he carried it. And it's something that we don't think about as a lot because of the way that he plays. But he just decided that they were going to win, and he was the idea that he's capable of doing that through sheer power will is incredible, right? Like, not just the threes, getting in fantastic finishes at the rim, which is something that he has in his bag that I don't know that we consider enough. And just the idea that he was going to put up that many shots, efficient or not, right? And I'm not even knocking him for the inefficiency. The idea that he was just like, all these shots are going through me, and I'm capable of carrying us to that place, and it will happen. Just sometimes we got to take a second to stop and appreciate how incredible some of these players are. And in this instance, Steph Curry's the dude in the limelight. And shout out to the Kings who are willing to give up a layup line at times in Game 7. Uh, to these Golden State Warriors, which is not something that isn't new for them. Well it's, it's, well, it's that. I mean, they did decent enough defensively during the series. But, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like, the Warriors challenge you in an entirely different way than any other team when it comes to defense. Because what, like, in the instances where you're like, we're going to play drop coverage, we're going to try and stop you from getting downhill. You know what happens? Steph Curry just goes, all right, I'll take a three from 25 yep. feet, which might as well be a layup. <laughs> Oh, you want to get pass it to my guy Clay Thompson on the other side, and he'll just knock one down too. Right, even in the instances where you're like, I'm gonna be smart. We're not gonna guard Draymond Green because he can't hurt us. All right, well Draymond Green can still screen, and then you know who gets open? Steph Curry again. <laughs> Offensively, they are tough to stop. The question coming from the ringer for one question for every second round NBA playoff series. We will start with what I believe is the most anticipated semifinal matchup in the West or the East, and that is the Warriors and the Lakers. That's because a rivalry is renewed between 35-year-old Stephen Curry and 38-year-old LeBron James in year 20, where these two who have been going at each other for a decade, now for the first time in the West have a chance to deny the other an opportunity to go to the NBA Finals. Yeah, this is where the narrative is really fun. Adam Silver had to pinch himself when this came through. Like This is going to be fun narrative-wise or maybe obnoxious narrative-wise because it's going to get to that place. But you're not going to say that this is going to be uninteresting. Also, think about this. This might be two of the biggest markets in the West. Yes. San Francisco, Bay Area, and Los Angeles. Like, this, this is going to be great for the NBA when it comes to ratings-wise and interest-wise. And then also that. Off the charts, yeah. But you know, whenever these two meet, it's always been Steph Curry's team being favored, right? Like it's a, And this, they're favored in this series as well. But this doesn't feel quite like those other ones. And maybe some of this is why, because LeBron James isn't the best player on his team. Like this is this is Anthony Davis is the best player on that team. Yeah, they're better when they play through Anthony Davis. I think for me, because the question is, will the Warriors or the Lakers wear down first? And I don't know if that's necessarily the right question because I think conditioning-wise, Stephen Curry and LeBron James are two of the most well-conditioned athletes that we've seen in quite some time. I'm not worried about their stamina in these series. What I am concerned about is the moments that these young players, the Austin Reeves, the Rui Yachimuras, the Jared Vanderbilts. I know D'Angelo Russell's been in the league for quite some time, but at the same time, the Golden State Warriors, who showed in Game 7 and also in Game 5, on the road against a Golden, or excuse me, a Sacramento Kings team, you have got to beat them and take it from them in order to take them out in a playoff series. 
LeBron and Anthony Davis are up to the challenge. I'm interested to see how these young guns respond to what will be some championship moments that the Golden State Warriors have been there time and time again and have prevailed through most of the time in these situations. So we don't pretend like the Lakers didn't do something like that in the first round either? Right, like that's the well, tough part about this, right? So there's that. Memphis and, is a completely different but, team for yeah, me. Yeah, but that I don't know if maturity wise they're We're laying there yet. really heavy into the mythos of the Warriors. And one thing we got to remember about these modern Warriors, they are not the Warriors of. 15, 16, 17, 18. They we said have, the same thing last year. What did they do? They've got serious flaws now, though. And, of course, the Lakers have their flaws as well. I just don't view this as like the David and Goliath as it has been in the past. I understand. They are. They have a level of experience. We might be talking about this entirely different if uh, De'Aaron Fox doesn't hurt, break his finger. You know what I'm saying? Like, that game went, that went to game seven against the Kings, who don't have a lot of counterpunches. And Steph Curry, admittedly, the idea that he's capable of doing it is fascinating to me. But he had to really get on his horse to make that happen. Like, I do think that sometimes we lean a little too heavy into this mythos. And then when something breaks back the other way, we're like, how did this happen? Because we went a little far. And I'm again, I don't say this to be disrespectful to the Warriors because I find this team to be incredible. There's, there's definitely, I just think that this is going to be a lot more level than we than we might want them to do, especially if we lean so much into the, well, the Warriors are champions, the heart of a champion. You know what I mean? The other part I'll say on this before I move to the next one is the shooting of the Golden State Warriors and the problem that the Lakers have on the outside at times shooting the basketball could play heavily into the series because the Lakers at times are horrendous from beyond the three-point line. That is something that you cannot do on a consistent basis in a series against two of the greatest three-point shooters, including the greatest three-point shooter that we've ever seen in Stephen Curry and, of course, Clay Thompson as well. Well, Kevon Looney was huge in putting, oh, the, man. putting the Kings away. He had so many rebounds in that series. It's not going to be quite the same. No. Right? DeMontis Sabonis had some issues. It's one of the. It's what he was actually pretty disappointing is the word that I'll use to not be disrespectful. He's mm-hmm. pretty disappointing in that series. Hey man, you're going coming up against Anthony Davis being probably the best version that we've seen of him. Not going to be the same, right? Like now we're going to see some of those size issues pop up for the Warriors. I'm interested to see how that matchup goes. Can the Heat keep the Knicks out of the paint? Miami was able to steal Game One on the road despite the scare of Jimmy Butler's right ankle being turned over. And we saw this play out in the first and second half of that game. In the first half, the Knicks scored 40 points in the paint. They were held in check in the second half when it comes to scoring in the paint. That is a big reason why defensively Miami was able to get it done in the second half against the New York Knicks. Yeah, and when we talk about that, it's not everybody that they're trying to keep out of the paint. It's one dude in particular. It's Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, when he gets to that midi, he's deadly. We've seen the ways in which, very particularly locally, we've seen the ways in which he gets in gets inside, challenges amongst the tall trees, can do mid-range stuff. And this is a team in the Miami Heat that is fully aware of how to send dudes at you, send help, show bodies. Use length, too. And make it so that it's going to be tough. And we saw, we saw him have some issues with that in this game, in game one. Are there counters that are available? Probably. And I'm interested to see how that goes. What I found interesting above that, the things that the Knicks were able to do to beat the Cavaliers in the first series are the same things that the Heat are doing to them, or at least did to them in the first game. And that reversal of fortunes is going to be fascinating to me because historically, Tom Thibodeau coached teams. What do they do better than anything else? Effort. Hustle. 
the Heat have, like, they built their whole quote-unquote culture on that. You're not out hustling and out efforting no. those guys. So I'm interested to see how that tussle plays out. Plus, if we want to talk about sheer power of will stars in this league, Jimmy Butler is that guy. And so the idea that Jalen Brunson could get to his spine and get what he wants is cool. I If, if we're going toe-to-toe in that, Jimmy Butler seems like he he will not be denied. No, and what was ironic in that game, we talked about the old guys with Stephen Curry and LeBron James. Another old man showed up and played pretty well for Miami. That was Kevin Love. The three full-court passes that he had in that game, phenomenal stuff. I mean, you know he's done that throughout the course of his career. Who he is, what he does. But just the veteran presence that he brought to that game was fantastic. By the way, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, both questionable for game two. Oh, Jalen is now questionable as well? Yeah, with a sore right ankle Ugh. and Julius Randle dealing with a sprained left knee, both questionable for game two tomorrow against the Miami Heat. The other couple of questions in these series that we have, of course, you've got tonight between the Nuggets and the Suns. Game two of that series, Nikola Jokic going full Nikola Jokic, but it's the other guys, Jamal Murray. You see what Bruce Brown did in game one? This is something that I I think I I mentioned this to you in the first round. It's like, I forgot how many dudes they have. Yes. And Kevin Durant said it too. Hey, this team is deep. Hey, man, in the West. Because I know (laughs) we we, we kind of were a little disrespectful to the Nuggets. Is there a team that's looked better than them thus far? Like, have we just been oh. psyching ourselves out trying to find one of these other teams to give the West to? Because I, I believe that the Warriors have the I mean, I picked the, the Nuggets best. to come out the West. I did, but at the same time, I didn't have a lot of confidence in it. Right. And rightfully so. Everybody has their issues. I'm just seeing the issues a lot less with the Nuggets right now. <laughs> I didn't think part of this it was Jamal Murray. Like, Jamal Murray flips this whole thing up. Well, you, you know what you're going to get from a playmaking standpoint from Nikola Jokic, the rebounding, the passing, the vision that he has. But when Jamal Murray is attacking and getting downhill, mm-hmm. that's when things really flip for the Nuggets because now you've got to start picking your poison about how Jamal Murray's going to get to the free throw line after attacking the rim. If Michael Porter Jr. is knocking down shots, Bruce Brown coming off the bench, you've got a lot of things coming at you if you're Phoenix. And while they're top-heavy with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, who were excellent in game one, yeah. the depth for Phoenix is going to come into play here and may not be able to keep up with uh, the Denver Nuggets in this series. And an interesting analysis of this is because of the guys that they have, you mentioned Devin Book, you mentioned Kevin uh, Durant. Those are two-point mid-range getters, and they're incredible yes. at it. You get up against a team that's going to knock down threes and the math, like the math Olympics on this. Yeah, it starts to bend. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's going. I, I'm going to be interested in that portion of it because they don't got shooters like that. All right, like the uh, Phoenix Suns, that is. So is that going to also be another level of issue as well? If you're not getting a whole bunch of stops where now you're trading three for two and it gets wonky. We'll see. Last one real quick we'll touch on is how much does Joel Embiid have to give? And right now it's not anything. Because he did not play, obviously, in game one tonight. Doesn't look like he's going to be ready for game two either. So, Philadelphia's in trouble. Now, obviously, they're in the game tonight and competing really well against Boston. But if Boston does not play with their food in this series, they should be able to handle this in six games or less to be able to get Philadelphia out of here. Maybe. They're the better team. They're the deeper team. They're on the road here the Sixers are you're playing in Boston if you can play if you can steal one if of you these, steal one okay now we're talking about even, a series and even if you don't if Joel Embiid makes it back for game three 
I'm still not sure he doesn't play in game two. I understand what you're saying, and you're probably right. But like I'm I I got a little bit of hope. But if he yeah. makes it back for game three, even playing with playing with a brace, which we've seen him do that type of stuff before. We've seen him play through uh, injuries and hardship. That's gonna be tough. I look, it'll be tough, but I do think that they have the capability to make this tough on the Celtics. Plus, again, this and I know somebody kind of was upset about us talking about the Celtics and saying they don't look interested because this is a close game. But they don't play to the maximum of their potential all the time. Hell, just look offense, at the Atlanta series, <laughs> right? And so that's the thing that I, I just it just remains in my mind is that you have teams that are capable. This is a team that's capable if uh, Tyrese Maxey gets hot of going wild, right? If James Harden is having a good game, would he, which he can dial up from time to time. And those are the types of things that could make this a little wonky. I hear what you're saying. The Celtics are a better team. Joel Embiid is not playing the entirety of the series. I'm just not willing to say he's not playing the entirety of the series. And there are still points where he can get back into the series where it can get interesting. Game three being the main one. Those are the defining questions for each of the second round NBA playoff series as the West and East semifinals are underway in the NBA playoffs. Coming up next, Tim Cato of The Athletic joins us to talk about his latest piece and what was really going on with the Mavericks this season. We do it next on 105.3 The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's to get right with Reggie KG right here on 105.3 The Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. Yep. My man, Ruben Portillo, holding it down for you. Really appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app coming up here in just a moment via the Diamond Factory Hotline. Tim Cato of The Athletic going to be joining us to talk about his latest piece as the Dallas Mavericks head to their offseason and what was really happening this year for a struggling Mavericks basketball team at Kevin Gray Sports, at Reg, at Atula, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter. Coming up here in 16 minutes, we'll go around the NFL, get you caught up on the latest News and notes in and around the National Football League. Good one happening in Boston right now between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics, whom are playing against the Sixers without Joel Embiid. James Harden, though, the story right now for the Sixers as Philadelphia's up 99-96 with 6.47 left in the fourth quarter. Right now, though, we go to the Diamond Factory hotline where you can find him on Twitter at Tim underscore Cato, his latest piece after season of misery, Mavericks face uncertain future. Can Dallas bring back Kyrie and keep Luca happy? He is Tim Cato. Tim, what's going on? What's up, fellas? How many Diamond Factory hotline appearances do I have to make before I get an actual diamond? A lot more than you have, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can all tell right, you. So like, that sounds like, like two. Like maybe two more? 
You take it up with them people. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I'll, I'll get you their number, and you can see. We'll see if we can hook you up with something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. All right. All right. That works for me. All right. Fantastic. Okay. I, I just want you to know, we, we, we are the ones saying the Diamond Factory hotline. We don't got no diamonds on. Well, so, that's uh, very true. I, I'm rooting for you. Oh, man. Well, you know, this is an outrage to all of us. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of gems. <laughs> an you, outrage. You, you, you wrote a really interesting piece um, this morning, or at least that released this morning. I was fascinated because it feels like a lot of this is stuff that we had kind of ruminated on over the course of the season, but it seemed like there was a little bit more reporting. What kind of can you lay out the timeline on this? Is this just kind of a, a summation of a whole bunch of reporting, or was there something that spurred this particular piece? Some some information that you were able to suss out? No, it was it was I think exactly as you described it. That's that's how I viewed the piece as as well. Um, in fact. I, I thought it was going to run a lot closer to the season's actual end and, you know, just various reasons, uh, you know, profession related to the profession of journalism. It, you know, we just delayed a, a little bit longer, but yeah, it, the, the attempt or, or the idea for me was to take a lot of the stuff that we had seen and speculated and, and often even assumed and say, yeah, this is what happened. And, and this is, you know, uh, something I'm going to put on, you know, on record or, or have sources put on record or confirm in, in that way journalistically, um, you know, just so that, you know, if people want to reference it, that, uh, you know, it's out there. Um, and I'll even say that, you know, some of the stuff reported and, in, in, you know, it's stuff that had previously been reported. Um, I, I maybe should have done a better job, but I know Mark Stein specifically had uh, some good reporting about uh, player movement um that's expected to happen this off season. Uh, that was stuff I also put in there, you know, especially as it relates to say Christian Wood or, you know, uh, you know, just roster churn overall. But that was the intention of the piece, and I, and I think you nailed it in, in kind of what you uh, saw it as. One thing, Tim, I found extremely fascinating in this piece was the idea that coming into the year that the Mavericks, based on what they felt was going to be the load for Luka Doncic, was going to be engaging in a load management type of plan for him after his short summer with all his commitments, obviously with the extended postseason and playing with the national team for Slovenia and how quickly that went away, given some of the poor play that they had at the beginning of the year. From your understanding, what was that going to look like in some ways if they had played better throughout the course of the early portion of the season? Yeah, I got the sense uh, and I didn't have this, um, I, I didn't get a straight answer on like, okay, it was planned to end in December or it was planned to end in, in January. I'm not sure they had a clear plan for when, like, how long it was going to last. Um, but, yeah, I, I think when, when the team envisioned this, I think it was the right idea, um, you know, based on how Luca looked mid-season anyway. Um, you know, I can't imagine if he had been trying to play through all those games that he ended up sitting out. Um, you know, but, but they thought the season would go better. You know, I, I, I thought the season would go better. Most of us thought the season would go better than it did. Um, but, but there was an expectation that, that Luca would be relied on really heavily and, and that it might uh, be too much at times. And the, in light of that, uh, it still doesn't make a lot of sense to me, the absence of, of the team really pursuing, you know, some other type of shot creator beyond, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, to be on this roster, but that was the idea, and, and I think it was a reasonable one. And um, 
you know, it just, it just, the team was supposed to be better. You know, the team was supposed to be more like that conference final team um, with some con- continuity really carrying over, um, or at least that's what the, the Mavericks thought. And that did not prove to be the case. And speaking of one of the ways this team was supposed to be better, you, you were hoping to get some offensive uh, scoring punch from Christian Wood. And I, you mentioned him in this piece. Um, he seemed to take a little bit of umbrage, although I don't know that he spoke specifically about your piece, but it did seem like with the time and then maybe this was part of it. It seems like you kind of at least implied that Christian Wood was in part just like a get back in a salary clearing mood. And maybe the coaching staff was not uh, all in on that move. Is, is Am I reading that correct? Yeah, 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 pretty much. Um you know, yeah, I did see that tweet. I was I was driving all afternoon. I ended up, uh, I got to, I uh, have to go visit my parents sometimes. And uh, I think they're grateful for that. But I just know that, you know, I was just about to start and my phone buzzes and like six people send me that big picture of what tweet. I, I assume it's about me, but I haven't even looked at it. Did he quote tweet like my article or something? He I did not. I have not even looked at it. I've been driving and you know, doing other stuff, man. I'm, I'm trying to be off Twitter right now. Just, yeah, okay. So uh, let me bring you back into Twitter, into the hellscape. Um, <laughs> let's see, where did the exact tweet? Oh, man, I lost it. I'll get it for you here in a second. But um, I saw it just yeah, I mean, it's. I thought it was a little funny because I, I don't, you know, if you're, if you're saying it's incorrect, I don't know what would be incorrect. Uh, it, it's very clear that the coaching staff did not share with you. It's very clear what his agent did. I have a lot of text to, to show that. And in fact, was kind of generous in my descriptions of, of how, um, let's say, aggressive this agent was in his pursuit of what he believed was the truth, which was that Christian Wood should be considered an all-star. Um, and the coaching staff's feelings on that, um, that's the coaching staff. That has nothing to do with, with uh, the players themselves. And I had far, you know, like plenty of conversations with with people in and around the coaching staff to make it very clear that they had a very different view of Christian Wood the player than Christian Wood had a had a view of Christian Wood the player well we found the tweet uh, that Christian Wood had not by his own account because apparently he deleted it Uh, but of course you know Twitter takes pictures and that kind of thing so they screenshotted the tweet that Christian Wood had and it was about, oh, 21 minutes or so after you put out your, your piece. Um, quote, we know the truth. Stop putting out these cap articles. I'll tell the real story when the time is right, end quote. It's, yeah, I mean, obviously I, I have zero desire to, uh, you know, I'm not issuing a response here and if, you know, it, it's always a weird situation. If, if, assuming he's even referring to me, I mean, I think it's a reasonable assumption. Right. Um, you know, it's I don't want people to feel, you know, like unfair, but there's nothing in there that, that would not be, you know, something that is, you know, very clear um, based on the season. And I, I will say, you know, not, not that it matters, not that I'm defending myself whatsoever. I tried to be very fair about Christian Wood and, and you know, this very – you know, this complex, complex enigma of a player who, you know, I thought I did believe in his talent. I just wasn't believing that it could be, you know, unlocked or harnessed in the right way. But, you know, Kevin, I went on your podcast recently and I, I said it would be so fascinating. I'm not, I have no idea uh, or no, nobody's told me this is even remotely possible or, or going to happen. But, man, I'd love to see what Christian Wood looks like in, uh, in a Miami Heat jersey. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, like, Heat culture. Like a, yeah. franchise, a franchise that's very good at getting the most out of players um, because I don't think the Mavericks were set up to do that this season. Um, 
And I think that it was, you know, basically any chance that Christian Wood was going to work out wasn't there from the start based off how he was viewed by the coaching staff and the team and basically his arrival to the team. All right, so just for my own personal edification, near the end of your piece, you're talking about, like, ways in which this roster can or, like, hopefully will look to get better. And the ideas of maybe some high-profile names coming in are brought up. You mentioned DeAndre Aiden and Chris Middleton, and you also say that, you know, whether either party has mutual interest. Do we have any indication on whether the Mavs have interest in maybe not these particular places, players, but somebody of that caliber, or is this entirely speculation um, in that realm? That's the speculation. Um, the, the team is, you know, I, you know, I could hit them up and be like, hey, what's off season plans? They would laugh at me. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, do, I do think that, you know, as we get closer, me and, and Tim McMahon and Mark Stein, you know, we may have more clarification on, on what exactly they're looking into, but it, it's too early to know that. Um, you know, the, the intention of that part of the piece was just to really start thinking and, and bring in, you know, people, you know, in conversations I had with people around the league, people who, you know, I understand the overuse of anonymous sourcing, but I have a lot of belief that they are well positioned, you know, for their opinions to matter in this situation. Um, you know, just like, hey, how could this work out? What, where would you see optimism from? And that is you know, some names that came up in that conversation, but it was only meant to, you know, just kind of uh, start the conversation in that direction and, um, you know, not uh, forecast exactly how the summer is going to go. Tim, finally, before I let you go, obviously the biggest question for this team outside of whether or not they'll be able to keep their top 10 protected pick here in a couple weeks is whether or not Kyrie Irving will be back with this team for this next season and beyond. From your understanding, what is this looking like for Kyrie Irving and how the Mavs obviously want to bring him back and what that could possibly look like? Yeah, uh, I, I believe there's been Mark Stein reporting um, that, you know, the Mavericks are going to try to, I don't, I don't want to paraphrase it in, in the wrong way, but, but I think it is reasonable to say that the Mavericks, you know, would prefer not to have to go, you know, the full max, uh, you know, in, in full um, number of years. Uh, that, that, that Kyrie is going to want, uh, is expected to want four years, I believe, was, was the Stein reporting specifically. Um, you know, where they find a balance, if they can find a balance between that, you know, uh, I think that's where most of the questions lie. And while I reported in the piece that, you know, Lakers and, and league sources, you know, still feel like they're not going to pursue him, I'm at least you know, still looking at that, you know, I think, I think that there's at least a little bit of smoke to wonder if the Lakers who initially did not want Kyrie going into the deadline and then changed their mind. Um, it, it's possible that could happen again. Um, but as of right now, you know, if I, I, I would be, it does seem likely if that Kyrie Irving is back in Dallas. Um, I, I, I think that's safe to say. Tim, as always, I appreciate the time, sir. Enjoy your time with your parents, and uh, we'll work on that diamond thing for you, okay? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll have KG work on it. I'm not working on it, to be honest. (laughs) I'll work on it for you, Tim. Don't worry about it. I got you, okay? All right. I, I'm, I'm about to be the, I, I better see the biggest diamond I've ever seen in my entire see, life. You see what happens? See yeah. what happens when you say you're going to work I'm on something? I'm a man. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to help my man Tim out because he helped me out. Tim, I appreciate the time if, as always, my man. Tim, if, if, if it makes you feel better, I have not seen many diamonds in my life. So, like, we're talking a small one. That's okay. I can work with that. Thank you. I can work with yeah. that, Tim. I can work yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I Tim- got you. I got you. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> there he goes, Tim Cato of the Athletic. Good enough to join us here. You have to go buy a diamond, aren't you? Look at you. We'll see. <laughs> Coming up next on the Get Right with Reggie KG right here on 105.3 The Fan. We get you caught up on the latest news and notes in and around the NFL, including the Broncos handling their business with this wide receiver. Let's talk about it next on the Get Right. About to go around the NFL here on the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105.3 The Fan as the Philadelphia 76ers are looking for a major steal in game one of their seven-game series as, I don't know. Grant Williams just gave up a free layup because he passed it to the other team. Yeah. Dog, you in green. To Tyrese Maxey. Your team is in green. Who got the runaway dunk as the Sixers are up he by was one. He was surprised he got the ball. He's like, oh, okay. Oh, look uh, what I found. Uh, all right. <laughs> I guess I should go dunk this then. We'll keep you up to date on everything happening in Boston as Philly without Joel Embiid is looking to pull off the game one shocker on the road at Kevin Gray Sports at Reg at Atula yep. on Twitter. Appreciate you joining us here on the get right on Odyssey and the Odyssey app, the truck red.com text line 877 881 1053 about to go around the NFL here as we get you caught up on the latest news and notes uh, as we do. Uh, Let's go ahead and go around the NFL. We start in Denver as the Denver Broncos decide to exercise their fifth-year rookie option on wide receiver Jerry Judy. Now, of course, Jerry Judy has been, along with Cortland Sutton, the subject of a lot of trade rumors going into this offseason, but... Jerry Judy is going to remain in Denver, picking up their fifth-year option. Of course, first-round pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. Remember, that draft included CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, yeah. Like, Jerry Judy, um, I understand that they've been a little disappointed with them, right? Like, the the idea being they didn't feel like he hasn't been exactly what they wanted. He had almost 1,000 yards last year. Right, like uh, we're not gonna pretend like uh, this is a guy that you don't pick up the fifth. Yeah, you pick up that fifth-year option on the cheap, and even because even if you do end up trading him, that other team gonna want that fifth-year option too. Right, like this is this is just like sensible business, uh, even if you don't ultimately want him around for a long period of time. But yeah, that this I I would have been shocked if they didn't do it. You know what I mean? Like that's just the way that the CBA is built. It is built entirely to the benefit of these organizations and the idea that an organization would not take advantage of that one of those uh things like that the fifth year option to keep these players cheap for them i would have to call somebody stupid not doing that right now i'm just saying i would have to do that in that instance well jerry judy will earn nearly 13 million dollars in 2024 which will be the fifth and final year of his rookie deal Ceedee lamb conversely will earn nearly 18 million dollars on the final year of his rookie deal if he does not get a long-term deal done before then and there have been obviously conversations and reports that the Cowboys are motivated to try and get a deal done with him this offseason to get him in the fold long-term beyond the next couple of years James Harden with a <laughs> devastating three-pointer in the eye of Jane, excuse me, Al Horford. Al Horford, tenth, tenth, forty-point playoff game. It's not, it's not basketball around the around the NBA, but you know, hey. As the 76ers right now are holding on to a lead by two late in the fourth quarter. 
as we continue around the National Football League. So congratulations to Jerry Judy. Going to be around Denver for the next couple of years. Well, the, I mean, he's going to have a contract for the next couple of years. We'll see if he's true. around Denver. Good point. The Jets did something that the Cowboys uh, also did a little bit earlier this offseason. They got some offensive line help. The Jets signing Billy Turner uh, to a contract today. The 31-year-old who started seven games last year for the Denver Broncos will be reunited with Nathaniel Hackett, who couldn't hack it in Denver. Yes, every time. Yep. Every time. Is now, of course, the offensive coordinator with Aaron Rodgers and the New York football Jets. By the way, did you like seeing Aaron Rodgers out there practicing with Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard? You know, we don't normally see this type of thing from Aaron Rodgers during this time of the year. He was out there for all the social medias for the Jets, getting his practice on for them. Oh, I didn't see it because uh, what would I? Why would I be following the Jets for? The butt. <laughs> it's absolutely something you need to do, right? Like, you need to instill confidence in this group, and also because last year there's a reasonable argument to be made that some of the issues that that Packers team had early was not being all on the same page. And that hurt them significantly. And that's because he was not around, at least in theory, right? So make sure that you are not the reason that anything goes wrong out there. You know what I mean? Like, that is that is as the little uh, smallest thing you can do. Also, like, for him, he had an offseason where he was debating whether or not he wanted to keep playing football. And when he was like, yeah, no, I still want to do this then do it right like that this is part of your obligations in doing that especially jump joining a new team being able to like jump through all of the all of the uh speed bumps that naturally occur when you're in a new place figuring out you know whatever the workflows are figuring out how they do things you know getting communication with all the people you need to be around and and in, in the spaces at least with your teammates and whenever it is league-wide accessible uh, acceptable for you to be in that building you need to do that because you want to jumpstart this also like if we are to take him at face value which i understand why you might not do that for aaron Rodgers, he wants to win and if you want to win, especially in like what is the latter portions of your you know career here, it's going to take these little things, you know. And I would hope that after taking his darkness retreat and all the other things that he did to take time off to make that decision, that he would have come in with this level of commitment, commitment and dedication. And it seems like that's what it is. Turner will sign a one-year contract that would be worth up to three point one million dollars, according to the NFL Network. So. Aaron Rodgers getting some offensive line help going into this upcoming year where they will look to continue to build on what they've done so far this offseason. The Seattle Seahawks are declining the fifth-year option on Jordan Brooks, the inside linebacker, uh, the starting inside linebacker for the Seahawks, will not have his fifth-year option picked up. Uh, Exercising his option would have fully guaranteed him $12.7 million dollars for the 2024 season. Instead, he'll enter the final year of his rookie contract with a base salary of just under $2.28 million. So a good linebacker there going into now the final year of his rookie contract, of course, was the 27th overall pick out of Texas Tech um, as he's coming off of reconstructive knee surgery. The 25-year-old became the starter early in his rookie year and set the single-season tackle record in 2021 for the Seahawks with 183 which was the second most in the NFL that year and the second most by any player since the year 2000 so Jordan Brooks going to be playing in the final year of his contract good football player hopefully he will be able to come back and be okay uh, from the knee surgery that he's yeah that's tough Uh, but 
it seems like there's actually a few linebackers that are not getting that fifth year option because yeah it didn't i was i was a little surprised but not shocked if you get the distinction i'm trying to make on Mm -hmm. this one you know where i'm going yeah patrick queen from baltimore they declined his fifth year option on the inside linebacker sources tell espn the 23 year old who would have received uh, would have received $12.7 million in 2024 under the option. He was the 28th overall pick in the 2020 draft class uh, as well. So, yeah, this one was a little bit of a surprise to me. He's played a lot for them, but yeah. he has not been stellar. And the Baltimore Ravens in the third round drafted Trent Sis- Simpson, linebacker. So, like, they've already – like, and I, I know that they brought in other linebackers because didn't they bring in Roshan Smith? Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith. Yeah, Smith yeah, yeah, Chicago, Roshan. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and they and gave s- him a new contract on top of it. So, like, uh, you know, the room kind of closed up. But he he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been incredible. And they've they've made uh, uh, the accommodations to be able to be taken care of at linebacker. So that one kind of makes sense in that regard. So Baltimore making some moves as well. But, yeah, we've seen a lot of these players in terms of their fifth-year options be picked up or declined. Obviously, the Cowboys picked up theirs on CeeDee Lamb. Other players seeing theirs decline as a result of what's been happening so far this offseason. But, yeah, that one's a little bit interesting there with terms of Patrick Queen up and down at times so far in his career. Uh, The Bills, speaking of another move made today, they signed veteran running back, Latavius Murray to a one-year deal. So the Buffalo Bills getting some running back help uh, that they need to help out Josh Allen. Latavius Murray, though, 33 years of age. Golly. Yeah, been in the league for a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess I just don't think about it because he played with who? He played with the Raiders. He played with the Vikings. He played Saints. with the Saints. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's been around. Man, it, that, it sneaks up on you. It does. Uh, but gets to go home a little bit as he has a Syracuse native. So getting to go know that. go to upstate New York, and he also earned an MBA from Syracuse back in the year 2020. Oh, good for him. So there you go. Interesting. They, they got a lot of backs, though, right now. They Dam- do. Damien Harris, who they got out of from New England. Yeah. Dam- James Cook is still there, who was you know a solid mm-hmm. draft pick for him. So adding Latavius Murray onto Naheem Hines that was, had been there. Uh, it, it's, it doesn't hurt as a flyer if he still got a little something. And I wonder, like, what having that, that veteran in there does for you, um, at least even through camp. I'm interested in uh, what that does, particularly because the Buffalo Bills need to be able to run the football with somebody other than the quarterback. Correct. It was something that was major for them at the start of last season. So I, I have a feeling that they're going the other way. We're like, we'll, we'll have an abundance of options, and if we need to pair back, that's fine. But we will not have be in the place where we are making this dude run because the tough thing about also making the quarterback run, your quarterback likes hitting people. And I need you to not do that, dude. You're too important for all that. So Latavius Murray joins the Buffalo Bills. He becomes the second oldest player on the Buffalo Bills. Can you name the oldest player currently on the Buffalo Bills roster? Ooh. Is is it Vaughn? It is Vaughn Miller. Okay. Yeah, this- I was like... Vaughn pretty old. Is he older than Latavius? I think he is. All right, cool. Yeah, DeSoto's own Vaughn Miller, yeah, is the only other player older than Latavius Murray, and he's 34, is Vaughn Miller. So That's a relatively young team. That's, that's what I was about to say. What I'm getting at is the Buffalo Bills' young team right. uh, going to be pretty good for a while. If, if the salary cap allows. It, correct. Correct. Uh, that's your trip around the NFL here on the Get Right. Reggie KG here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next here on The Get Right, the biggest questions for each team after the NFL draft has been completed 
And the upsets in game one is over in Boston. We'll let you know how it ended next on The Get Right. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.